Well, uh, it's awesome to see all of you. We are continuing our series called The Struggle is Real. Let me back up real quick. Um, one thing that's kind of on the horizon that I need everybody to be uh, planning for and thinking about is um, our Harvest Festival. It's going to be on October 31st, the night uh, of Halloween. We want to provide an alternative for that. So here's what we've done in the past few years, and it's just we want to ramp it up this year. We're, we try to have kind of a car carnival-type atmosphere, and we challenge every family in, at New Song to come up with some kind of carnival booth. And so you need to be thinking about it already. I'm going to tell you, there have been some great ones in the past. You're going to have to be on your game. The Sweets, I'm sure, are already planning theirs because they are, and the Clancy's. Uh, two years ago, they did a gold mine theme, and last year it was a castle with a dragon thing. So anyway, uh, be sure and be thinking about that. You've got, uh, you know, a little over a month to prepare, so I expect something incredible, something great. Everybody say, yes, sir, Pastor Les. Yes, sir, Pastor Les. All right, good deal. Oh, that's what I like to hear. So we're working our way through this series called The Struggle is Real, and our premise is that even though we can't see it, even though um, it's it's not available to our physical eyes, there's this thing going on all around us, this uh, this spiritual thing, uh, what some would call spiritual warfare, that we've got to be uh, we've got to be cognizant of. We've got to realize that this stuff is going on around us all the time, and if we don't if we don't engage in it in the proper way, we're going to get waylaid. We're just going to get uh, you know we're going to be Vanderbilt yesterday. It's good. <laughs> it's going to be ugly. So. Um, we talked about how to do that, and our theme passage for this, of course, is in, in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to read it again. We're going to have this thing down by the time we get through with this. This is uh, Paul saying, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand, against, stand firm against all, all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. Don't, don't think. Don't think that folks are your, are your enemies, flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We just need to understand that no matter how bad the person seems, that is not our enemy. We've talked about it before. I know we as Americans, we like to think those, those folks over in the Middle East that that hate our way of life and want to kill us, we tend to think that they're the enemy. They're not the enemy. They're just pawns in the enemy's game. We have to go after something bigger than just them. Does that make sense? We have to go behind, go for that spirit that's driving them, for those evil rulers, that, those, uh, what Scripture says, those authorities in the unseen world. And so it says, therefore, this is the second time he said it. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. And then he goes into the, uh, to the, to the armor. Stand, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. We talked about truth and how important truth is and how the autoclave of truth. If you don't know what that means, you can go back and listen. And the body armor or the bless, breastplate of God's righteousness. It's also a blessed plate. I guess you could say that. Um, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so you'll be fully prepared 
In addition to all of this, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we've talked, we're just kind of breaking this down. And I didn't know I would spend a Sunday on each piece of armor, but I just think it's, it's appropriate. So we talked about the belt of truth and how important it is and how truth kind of holds everything together. It's how in the, in, in, uh, the, the focus folks that, that Paul was describing, the Roman soldiers, they would, they would tuck their kind of uh, uh, cloak into their belt when they needed to, you know, really kick some, uh, you know, some of that, when they really needed to, to be uh, active, when they needed to run, whatever. And so we said, man, truth is what kind of holds us all together. And then last week we talked about righteousness. We talked about how that God has outfitted us in his righteousness. He, God has clothed us with, with his son, and it's up to us to let God grow us up into those clothes. And so here we are, and we're talking today about the shoes of peace. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news. The shoes of peace. Can I tell you about my shoe journey real quick? Back in the day, when dinosaurs and woolly mammoths and saber-toothed tigers, you know, were around back when I was young. Um, back then, I don't know if anybody remembers this, but brand name tennis shoes were not that big a deal. You just got tennis shoes. It wasn't, it wasn't Nike, Adidas, Puma. It wasn't any of that. you just lucky to have someone. I, I, I'm acting like, you know, we were dirt poor. We, I always had shoes, you know. Don't, my, my parents are going to watch us and go, man, we always gave that kid shoes. He, he needs to be quiet. But I remember these shoes that had three stripes down. They weren't Adidas stripes. They were just, and they had the, the rubber sole. It was just, and then I, I can remember, I think I was in the eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. And I mean, this is how old I am. Nikes were just coming on the scene, at least in my little town in Western Missouri. And I got my first pair of Nikes. In fact, I've got a picture looking like this. With my first pair of Nikes in my in my mom and dad's attic, we looked at it last time I was there because I wanted. I mean, I'm out on my deck like this with the first pair of Nikes I ever had. Man, I was so excited about those things. Here's the bummer thing about the shoe, my shoe journey is I just missed the best part of the shoe journey. I um, in the in the late 70s, I was just, I was born in 66, so I was just turned 13 in 79, so I kind of missed the 70s style. Uh, I was more of an early 80s guy, but man, I love 70s style, and if I had been, if I had been around in the 70s as, as a teenager, uh, can you bring that picture up? I think I probably would have looked something like this. What are you talking about? That suit? That is, how many people had a suit like that or close to it, you know? How many have, is there anybody, Steve did. Man, I want to see Steve wear that suit. Don't you guys? Somebody make it for him. Harvest Festival, I'm expecting you to show up looking just like this. I remember, I, I remember, I mean, these leisure suits, they were so cool. I remember one dude at church had the ultimate leisure suit. It looked something like that, but it, it had short sleeves. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
a short sleeve suit. Have you? Thank you. <laughs> That's so cool. But I want to focus. Bring that picture back up if you can. I'm sorry. I want to focus on uh, those shoes. Oh my goodness, the platform shoes. Now I did get in on a little bit of those. I don't know if I was styling quite as much as this guy, but we're talking about three, four inch thick sole, I mean, heels and then soles that were, that were pretty, platform shoes. So here's what, here's how my crazy mind works. Um, since we're talking today about the shoes and talking about peace, I want to kind of bring this all together and say that I think that what God has called us to be and the way that God has called us to live is to live from a platform of peace, meaning that peace is the, is the basis for everything we do. We, we, live, we live in peace, and we live lives that are full of peace. Um, Scripture, whenever, again, when Paul was describing this Roman soldier, he was talking about these, these thank you, you can... Uh, that's probably distracting at this point. They're like, man, I can't wait to see Steve in that on uh, uh, Harvest. But when Paul was describing the Roman soldier, he was talking about uh, this, this soldier that was wearing these, these shoes, kind of sandal-looking things. And, and what would happen is they, would, uh, they actually didn't have a slick bottom. They would have little, little spikes on the bottom. So their footing could be sure in battle as they apprehended the enemy, whatever. And so that... Those pair of shoes were their platform. Those, that, that was their base. That was, that was what kept them steady and kept them pursuing the enemy. And it just, everything worked from the ground up. And the ground level was these shoes. And so today, I believe that we are called by God for, for our lives to be built on the foundation, on the, on the base, on the platform of peace. So that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. We're going to talk about this whole platform of peace. And here's what I like to do. As a student of the Bible, um, I, I love the stories of the Bible. I don't know about you, man. I mean, I just get engrossed in the stories of the scripture. And so rather than getting up here and saying, oh, here's what the Bible says about peace. It says you should have peace. It says that we should have peace because I like to, to talk about the stories of the Bible and kind of try to extract some, some principles from those stories. So the best story that I could think of regarding peace was a story from the life of Jesus. And if you're, you've been around church, church for a while, you're probably going to yawn, oh, I've heard this one, I've heard a million, a million sermons on this. Let's just look at this with a fresh set of eyes. Will you do that? Let's act like this is the first time we've read it. Let's look at this story through the eyes of peace, okay? Through the eyes of peace, we're going to read this story, and then we're going to come back and just kind of extract some good stuff out of it. Here's what it says. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. And uh, so they took, they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. 
Suddenly, the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. (laughs) That's funny. I mean, you should have been afraid before. Who is this man, they ask each other. Even the wind and waves obey him. Even the wind and waves obey him. So I want to talk about this story, and in order to talk about this story, you really have to hone in on that very first verse, that very thing that it says, and and it's easy to skip over, but it, it just says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Everybody say, let's go to the other side. Let's go. Let's go. That's what Jesus said. We're going to the other side. He didn't ask if they thought it'd be a good idea if they went to the other side. He didn't take a vote. You know, he, he, he didn't, it wasn't a question or suggestion. It was, we are going to the other side. And here's what Jesus knew that, that those guys didn't knew, didn't, didn't know. They didn't knew it either. But um, his trip to the other side was purposeful. He was insistent on getting to the other side of the lake because he knew on the other side of the lake, there was an appointment for him there. He had purpose in that trip to the other side. When he stepped on that boat, when Jesus you know, flung his leg over, that, over to get on that boat, he was a man on a mission. The other side wasn't just a destination. Get ready for this. The other side was a destination. I came up with that myself, man. Not just a destination, but a destination. I mean, here's what Jesus knew. That over there on the other side of the lake awaited destiny for him and for somebody else. Here's what I want us to understand. Here's what we need to try to live in light of. That whenever we are just going about our normal day-to-day life, because it seems like to me crossing a lake is no big deal, right? It's not like, uh, you know, you get chills. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll cross the other side. I mean, this is just a normal thing, but God can turn things that are just really normal into things that are abnormal, that are just natural to supernatural. He gives us purpose in everything that we do if we will follow him, right? Because here's what the scripture says. The, The steps of a good man or good woman are ordered by the Lord. That means that when you're in a boat crossing the other side of the lake, it's not just a boat trip. God has something for you to do. And that's what Jesus knew. And the disciples really, uh, they didn't know. On the other side, and that's really what I want us to see. On the other side, I'm challenging some people in here and myself to get to the other side. Because on the other, and we're going to get to this, this at the end. But on the other side of that lake, there was somebody that need, needed what only Jesus could give him. I'm going to tell you this. On your other side of your life, there are people waiting for only what you can give them. Don't you dare keep it to yourself. Don't you dare. There's an other side that God wants to get get you to, not just a destination, a destination. But some of us, some of us won't get in the boat because we don't know what awaits us on the other side. 
God's word for us today is, let's go to the other side. God's word for new song today, I felt as I was studying, is let's go to the other side. Quit staying on this side where everything's comfortable and you know all the streets and you're all, you, you know, everything's okay. What about the other side? The other side is calling us. It's calling us. It's time to leave behind the familiar, the comfortable, and head into unknown, into the unknown, into unexplored territory. Man, as I was thinking about this, and this, this line in particular, I was thinking about the explorers of yesteryear, you know. I love some of their names, don't you? Vasco da Gama. Love that guy. You know what he did? He sailed around the tip of Africa, I think. He was the first guy to do that, I think. Ferdinand Magellan. Can I get a yeah for Christopher Columbus at least? Man, you guys not going to. These guys, I mean, they loaded up on a ship. Talking about guys getting on boats. They loaded up on a boat never knowing if they'd come back. All they wanted to do is go where no man had gone before. Man, what if God could give us that pioneering spirit that says, God, I, I appreciate where you brought me to. I love what you've done for me. But I've got to go explore in unknown areas. I've got, got to go to the other side. I'm afraid that too many of us have become settlers instead of explorers. Settlers instead of explorers. Do you know what you need most when you go to the other side? Or when you decide to be an explorer, you decide to kind of step out on faith? You need peace. You need peace. I'm talking about I'm talking about unexplainable peace. I'm talking about the kind of peace that is able to sleep through a storm. Did you notice that? Jesus told his disciples that you know, he said, hey, we're going to the other side. Let's go to the other side. I'm going to go crash out. This wasn't a luxury yacht. This wasn't, he, he wasn't down below deck where, you know, he had a nice little uh, sofa bed or anything. Here he is because here's what Jesus knew. When I say it, it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm willing to, to go to sleep on that. Jesus had this unexplainable peace as he went through every, every part of his life, and specifically as he went through this, where he said, we're going to the other side. And he told, at a certain point, he told his disciples that he was going to give them this very thing. I want us, I want, if nobody else has it, I want us to have this peace that is unexplainable. In the middle of the storm, we still have peace. Here's what, here's what Jesus said to his disciples. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Here's what Jesus said. The peace that I'm leaving you as my disciples is completely different than the peace that the world offers. Because here's the truth. The peace of the world, the peace of that system that doesn't know God, doesn't want anything to do with God, their peace is always circumstantial, right? Oh, finally got my toes in the sand. Oh, what a peaceful feeling. I, I love toes in the sand too. 
But here's what I'm, I'm here to tell you, that God can give us that toes in the sand peace all the time. It doesn't have to be based on where we are or what we're going through. It's not just a circumstantial peace. Jesus said, the peace that I offer is in spite of what may be going on around us. Here's what the Bible speaks, uh, says about this kind of peace. It says in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, transcends all understanding. Here's what God is after and wants to give us. He wants to give us this peace that is above all understanding, above all reasoning. In other words, my peace isn't just based on my understanding or my reasoning. There may be times when all hell is breaking loose and based on my understanding or my reasoning, I should be freaking out. But scripture says that we have this peace that transcends all our understanding. So bring it on. That's what Jesus modeled when he said, hey, guys, we're going to the other side. I'm going to sleep because I got peace about this thing. I'm good with this. Our peace isn't just based on what we're going through. It's based on, it's, it's so far beyond what we can understand and how we can reason. I thought about some people in the scripture that had this kind of peace. I love these three guys, the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those guys had some peace. They had some peace that said, I don't quite understand what I'm going through, but what I know is down deep in my gut, I know it's all going to be okay. That's what peace is about, right? I don't get it. And here's, uh, come on, you guys, you guys have to believe that these guys had peace, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar himself, that had built the statue that everybody was supposed to bow down to, the golden statue, and, uh, you know, if you didn't bow down, you were going to die. And they didn't bow down, and Nebuchadnezzar himself came face to face with these three Hebrew boys, the, maybe the most powerful figure on the face of the earth at that time. King Nebuchadnezzar was face to face with these guys. And man, let me tell you, when you don't have peace, when you come face to face with somebody that, that powerful, you just kind of cower and go, I but here's what the three Hebrew boys said. I want you to know that these guys were operating from a platform of peace. That was what their life was about. Here's what it says. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. Man, somebody needs to get fired up with me about that. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. <laughs> I think, oh yeah, your majesty. They said, look, we've got peace about this thing. If you want to throw us in the fire, that's cool. We're, we've got peace. We know everything's going to be all right. And then the next verse, and some may say, oh, that's just a lack of faith. I disagree. I say the next verse tells the, the kind of peace that they've got. I'm talking about that transcendent peace that says no matter what comes my way, I'm okay because here's what they said next. But... Even if he doesn't, even if our God doesn't save us, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, <laughs> I like that other, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. Here's what we know. 
that we're going to be okay one way or the other because the peace of God fills our lives. Does that make sense? Operating from that platform of peace saying, bring it on because nothing you can do to me can stop this peace in my heart. Man, there have been people through the ages, you need to know this, that have died as a result of their faith. And man, I've read some stories. Read the book, Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you'll, you'll read about some amazing people. You'll read about some people burned at the stake, and it's, in every story, here's what you'll, the common thread is that they have this incredible peace even as they're going through the horror of dying. God wants us to live, folks, from a platform of peace. I love uh, <clears throat> another character that I thought about in scriptures. I don't want to say character, a person in scriptures, because that had peace in the middle of stuff that everything around him um, screamed against his peace and said, you know, all this understanding and reasoning probably was saying, no, 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 you can't think everything's going to be all right. You remember Job, right? He was doing really well. One of the wealthiest men on the face of the earth. And the devil came, came to God and said, of course he's serving you because you've given him everything. Let me strip him from everything. Let, let me strip everything from him and he won't serve you. And so that's what happened. He lost his family. He lost all his possessions. He lost everything. He lost his health. He's sitting there with boils on his body. I mean, he went from the greatest to the least. But here's what I want to say, that Job, Job operated from a platform of peace. Somehow deep within, although he was hurting, although he was hurting emotionally from losing and hurting physically and everything else, he knew down deep inside, that's the kind of peace I'm talking about, right? That says everything's going to be all right because my God has me in his hand. Listen to what Job said. But he, talking about God, this is Job talking. But he knows where I'm going. And when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. He said, look, I don't understand everything that's going on, but I've got this peace that he didn't even know. Scripture in, in the New Testament ha hadn't even been written. But he said, I think ultimately he said, I've got this peace that transcends all my understanding. It's all going to be all right. Do you know where ultimate peace is found? It's found by learning to trust God completely. Scripture says this in Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep, talking about God, God will keep in perfect peace all who, who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Peace is absolutely bound together with trust. You know, when you tr you, you know what I'm talking about? It's about trust whenever you feel. Okay, let me, let me try to explain it. Remember remember swimming with my kids in a pool the first time off the diving board, right? Remember that? And you're, hey, I'm down here. I'm going to catch you. You know, I'm trying to tread water, wondering if I'm going to make it myself, you know, but I'm going to get you. I got you. And uh, you just sit there and come on, jump, jump, jump. And they get to the edge of the diving board. They bend their knees and, oh man, you know, walk back. I don't know if I can do that. Dad, come on, you can do it. Jump, jump, jump and get there. And finally, they jump. And I catch him, almost drowning in the process. You know, you guys know what I'm talking about. 
Then you take them over to the edge and they go back to the diving board and they get up there and uh, and they hesitate just a little bit less the second time. By the end of the day, they're out of the pool, up on the diving board, jumping into your arms, not even th- because they have learned that they can trust you and they have, they have this, hey, everything's going to be all right when I jump off of this. You know what? Our God is waiting for us. And he says, hey, man, just jump. Quit being, he doesn't say this, but I say it, quit being such a sissy and jump. Let's go. I've got some things for you to do. Trust, that's what it's about. When we learn to trust God with all our hearts, our heart is at peace because we know he'll do what he said. We talked about Jesus. He's sleeping you know, he, he says, let's go to the other side, and then he falls asleep because he knows his word is the word. The disciples, on the other hand, they didn't quite get that because here's Jesus. He's sleeping, and he's awakened a little while into the trip by the disciples. Remember what they said? Hey, 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 Jesus, don't you care that we're, that we're drowning here? No, it wasn't like that. It says they were shouting. I mean, there's thunder and lightning probably going on. Don't you care? I mean, how many people like to get woken up by somebody shouting at you? I mean, not really. Jesus is like, guys, chill, man. Come on. I think any of us like to be woken up like that. So, so here's, here's what we have. On the one hand, we have Jesus sleeping because he is confident of God's plans and purposes. And on the other hand, over here, we have these bunch of disciples freaking out. Even though Jesus has said, we're going to the other side, let's go the other side, they're freaking out that this storm has come. Let me tell you what they did. They started trusting more in their circumstances than they did in the word of their Savior. They started trusting more in their circumstances than in the words that Jesus had said. And when we do that, our peace absolutely bottoms out to zero. When we start looking around, I, I, everybody has circumstances that could tell you that you're not going to make it, that it's not going to happen, whatever it is, that your peace should go to zero. No, no, no. Our peace goes to zero. And do you know where all of that st- stuff ultimately lands up whenever we get anxious and fearful and apprehensive and all this unrest when our peace leaves? It, it, it makes us start thinking wrong, man. Like the disciples did. Because here's what the disciples started thinking. If you just read between the lines, what they're saying really is, you don't care about us, Jesus. Because if you cared about us, you would you'd be up here doing something about this. You don't care that we're going to drown. So here's what the disciples did. And this is, to me, this is powerful. They let their environment shape their thinking they looked around at the storm and all of a sudden their thinking got changed they knew jesus loved them i mean he'd been hanging out with them he'd been showing the ropes of how to follow god they knew that but all of a sudden the environment around them started to shape their thinking 
And I'm telling you, it can happen to us too when we see bad stuff happen, whenever we see our, our, you know, our circumstantial stuff around us. It's like, wow, we can start to think, let our environment shape our thinking where Jesus actually calls us to do just the opposite, to let our thinking shape our environment. Listen, listen to this. We are called to let our thinking shape our environment. I, I, just, I just want you to get that. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? Here he is. They wake him up, and he didn't get up and say, man, you guys are right. This is a terrible storm. Man, I can't believe I sleep. No, Jesus shaped his environment with his words and with his mind and with his heart, right? I, I'm just telling you, I believe we as Christ followers are called to be environment shapers, not environment reactors. Whenever Jesus showed up somewhere, all of a sudden the environment changed, didn't it? Anywhere he showed up. You remember where he showed up at the pool where people were waiting around to be healed, you know, and, and they waited on the angels to stir the first one in? When Jesus showed up, all of a sudden, man, a guy that could never have gotten healing to the, from the pool got healing from Jesus. I'm telling you something. Jesus was in an environment shaper, an environment changer. I am challenged by God to, I, I mean, I've been challenged in, in, in studying this. and I'm called to shape that, my environment with my words and with my thoughts and with, with how I believe. Jesus got up. Jesus got up from his nap. And do you remember what he said? In the good old King James, how many like King James? That's, you know, that and platform shoes, and I'm good to go. And the leisure suit, boom. In the 70s, that's all we had. So that's all, most of all the verses that I memorized were from the King James. But here's what it says in the King James. Jesus got up, saw the environment, and what did he say? Peace be Still, in other words, this peace that I've got inside of me, I mean, it's obvious I've got this peace because I've been sleeping through this storm, but I'm going to take this peace that's inside of me and I'm going to speak it into my environment. Can anybody get with this today? That I'm going to take what's inside of me and I'm not going to keep it inside of me, but I'm going to speak it in my environment, man. Instead of just just being a peace seeker, I'm going to be a peace speaker. That's what Jesus did. I'm going to speak peace to my environment. And when Jesus spoke peace to his environment, guess what? It changed 12 other guys' environment. Well, not just 12, there are other boats that followed. I'm telling you, whenever, is this too big to think about? Is this too, is this too heavy? Whenever we speak to our environment, and it changes, it doesn't just change for us, it changes for the people around us. Hey, your marriage has been saved, God has put it back together, great! Go speak peace to other marriages, man. Hey, you, you face the chaos of addiction, and God brought you out of it, be a peace speaker to other people's chaotic environment, Right? Not just a peace seeker, not just I want peace for myself. That's, that's a first step. That's great. 
But when we get it for ourselves, then we say, hey, I can't keep this to myself. I'm going to speak it to my environment. Peace, peace, peace. Uh, God helped you out of a mountain of financial difficulties. Don't stop there. Speak to the financial storm in the lives of others. We are called to be changers and shapers of our environment. That's what peace does. I'm going to tell you what, peace changes the atmosphere. I know I've told you about it before, but when Pastor BK and I were in Sam's Club a few years ago and a baby started having having seizures and, and the mama was freaking out, man, I'm going to tell you what, Pastor BK spoke some peace to that situation. She she grabbed that baby up and started, started doing everything she could. She, and I, I can remember, I, I can think about times in my life whenever God put me in a place. We, I've told you again before about uh, we saw a little nine-year-old girl get, get run over, and, and God placed us there to be peace speakers to that environment, man. I'm telling you, God has an environment for you to speak peace to because things change when we speak the peace of God. I've never really looked at this story through these these set of eyes. Jesus had the ultimate peace. I mean, how else can you stink and sleep during the middle of a storm on a boat? How can you do that? And then he got up and spoke peace to his environment. And guess what? They made it to the other side. And guess what was waiting on them on the other side of the lake? It was something that was absolutely the antithesis of peace, the opposite of peace. It was a crazed man. Let me read it to you, and then I think we'll see Kind of bring this all together. So they arrived at the other side of the lake. Everybody said, oh, they arrived. How about that? Exactly like Jesus said. In the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Any time somebody pops up from the graveyard, it's probably not a good day, right? I mean, some dude that's living out there. May one of those disciples were like, hey, why don't we go back to the other side now? We've made it to this side. Here's what I want us to see. That, man, when we get to the other side, there are going to be challenges that we face. There are going to be things that, that will seem a little overwhelming to us, and they are overwhelming to us. Do you know if something's not overwhelming to us, why do we even need a God? I mean, if I see a guy that's running at me from the graveyard, Scripture says he, he, you know, well, right there, this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. All right. And this guy's running right at me. I tell you, it's challenging. But here's what Scripture says. He gives us peace that transcends all understanding. Understanding at that point said, this guy's crazy. I need to head the other way. But 
God gives us a peace that causes us to stand right in the middle of chaos and speak to that environment and change it. Here's what it says. Verse 4. When he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, (laughs) he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him day and night. He, I mean, it's really given us the lowdown on this guy. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. While G, when Jesus was some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, in the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. This guy, you talk about a crazy environment. I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that. We have a few times, um, and this demon possession thing is real, and it's it's real. (laughs) The struggle is real. Okay, so anyway, this guy's crazy. This environment is crazy. He's coming right for Jesus. And let me tell you, there's something in Jesus that rose up just like it did with that storm. The peace of God. And he spoke the peace of God to this man's life. Come out of him. He basically said the same thing to him that he did to the storm. Not in the exact same words, but he basically said to the man, peace. Be still. Be still. The scripture says the guy, the guy just snapped out of his crazy, craziness from the graveyards. And it says he's sitting there in his right mind all of a sudden. Because Jesus didn't back down, but Jesus always, always, always operated from the platform of peace. And when you operate from the platform of peace, when we operate, do you see why this is such a big deal for spiritual warfare? We've got to have peace, man, because the devil can detect, what shall we say, non-peace, anxiety, fear, all that, and he tries to play on that. Jesus spoke to that environment that was so uh, demonic and so, you know, I just, man, I get the picture that this dude's just, you know, just crazed. He's, he's crazy. And Jesus spoke to the environment, and it changed, and it changed for, for this man. Because Jesus wasn't a just, just a peace seeker. He was a peace speaker. And I just want us to understand that there are people around us. You know, we probably won't see anybody that looks quite like this guy. But internally, there are some people around us that are just as bound up as this guy was. And they need us to be people of peace. But they, more than that, they need us to be speakers of peace. We cannot continue to let the environment shape our our thinking and our faith. We are called to let our thinking, our faith, our words shape the environment around us. Man, there may be something this week 
that you happen upon a conversation at work or or you happen upon something at the store or wherever it may be and the environment may be toxic it may be ugly it may be demonic whatever i challenge you to speak those words that jesus spoke peace be still because when we operate from the platform to peace we bring the kingdom of god to bear on that environment and in that situation. Thank God for his peace that transcends all understanding.